Yeah, I'm going to invite Dave up um, now. Dave Mitchell, um, part of our, uh, yeah, what's well, our senior church, <laughs> senior leader of the Woodlands Church family. And um, yeah, I'm just going to pray for Dave and pray for us as well. Lord, thank you for Dave. Thank you for his ministry. Thank you for this word that you prepared this morning. And thank you for all these signs of the kingdom that you have uh, been showing us. And uh, Lord, we, we ask for more. We ask for more. We pray, Lord, that um, by the, the teaching this morning that Dave brings and by, uh, yeah, just be encountering you and your spirit here that we, uh, yeah, we might um, bring, yeah, see even more signs of your kingdom breaking out in our lives and out into this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Great to be with you this morning again. Um, my wow moment actually was just sticking my head in, in the foyer there and thinking, wow, it's now and not yet, it's not quite finished, but it's still a wow, wow thing, isn't it? Brilliant. Um, just for you, Lou, uh, your experience. I, I remember a long time ago, um, a, a young woman living with me and my family, and um, her brother-in-law contracted meningitis, and uh, he was only 18, and... Um, she, she'd never had the gift of tongues and, and wanted it, but it never happened to her. But in praying for her brother, who was really ill, she found herself speaking like you in that, that language that um, she hadn't learned. And I think sometimes that, that's a gift that God gives us when we know we want to pray, but we haven't got the words almost. And uh, the, the, in Romans chapter 8, it talks about the Spirit interceding with us with groans deeper than words. And maybe that's part of what was your story. That's really encouraging. And God bless you. And your friend who is sick as well. Um, so here we are, we're on the subject of prayer and teaching us to pray and very much looking at the, the, that, the kind of model of the prayer that Jesus gave when he, his disciples said, teach us to pray and he, he, he gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's much more actually than just a model prayer. I think when Jesus gave us that prayer, he was giving us things that are really important for us to know and understand about the nature of God and the nature of reality. So it begins, our Father in heaven. And, and actually, it's really important because that phrase, our Father, is, as you probably know, it's Abba. It's, it's a word that a baby would say, a, a toddler word, Abba. And it's kind of unpacking. It's really important that you know God isn't just a remote, unnameable name, someone who's too scary to approach, but actually, God is your Father. In fact, he's more like a daddy than anything else. You can draw near to him. It's really important we understand God like that, isn't it? So that's just one example about how every word and how every phrase, every clause of the prayer actually are important things that Jesus knows about God and about reality that we also need to know. And today we're looking at this phrase as we say the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. And we're having a little reversal. We're not talking about temptation today. I think that's next week. But we're talking about evil today. Deliver us from evil. And I think it's really important that we know and understand that evil is not just about human sinfulness. It's one thing to say, I've sinned, and we all confessed our sins. Some of you, you know, it's really important you did that this morning <laughs> as we took communion. We, we, we made a confession, didn't we? We confessed our sins. But I don't know whether anyone said, and by the way, God, I am evil. Because there's a difference between 
sinning and being evil, I think. Do you think so? Um, not many people that I've met would I describe as evil. Though I would say the sinfulness is a fairly universal thing that we find because we all do things that we regret and all things that we do that um, come out of our selfishness and our brokenness. But evil is, is an escalation of all of that, isn't it? Evil is a, a malicious will with an intent to harm, with an, in, with an enjoyment of suffering and um, of, of causing other people to suffer, with, um, with a, a desire to have power over others. It's, um, it's a deeply disturbing thing when we encounter evil. And I think that from time to time I have encountered evil, and I find it disturbing. I, th I feel that, that there is evil at work in our world. It is deeply disturbing, deeply unsafe. And evil, though, even though it's something that can disturb us, is also something we can collude with. And what do I mean by, by colluding with evil? It's, it's, it's kind of where we can kind of almost turn to evil to help us get something. I mean, let, here's an example. Um, when, I'm, when I've been hurt by someone or by a situation, I can, if you like, welcome angry, revengeful thoughts into my heart and life. I can kind of invite, if you like, um, things that... Um, I like dark powers because I want to feel stronger. I want revenge or whatever. And, and those things can actually get a grip on my life. We, we, can, we can do all kinds of things to lead with evil. Um, you know, um, yeah where we can invite kind of external... We, we probably don't do it consciously. It's not like we're Satanists. Though um, I, someone I, I know actually did confess to, to praying to the devil to help them get past their blocks on their computer because they want to indulge their habit of, of porn. You know? uh, but we, we can collude with evil. We, we can do that. And we can collude with, not just internally like that, kind of what Jesus once said to the Pharisees, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? And, and I think that's what collusion with evil looks like, entertaining evil thoughts in our heart, welcoming, if you like, dark thoughts rather than resisting them. And we can also collude externally with, with evil people, can't we, with, with evil powers. We can collude with um, in, in extremists, with, with a gangster, <laughs> in order to, to, to get some profit or to get some, some resources that we want. People do that, and then they can find themselves in real trouble, because when you collude with evil, you can find that that evil now has power over you. And that's often the story of people who find themselves initiated into gangs or other systems. They find that they've colluded with evil, and now they have given over some of their independence to that power of evil. We can collude with systems that are evil. Perhaps we all do, to some extent, collude with world systems that oppress other people. And, and we're, we're slightly dependent on those world systems because we don't want to give up what's enriching us. The end result, though, of, of, of evil at work in our lives is slavery. The Bible's really clear about this. And in fact, it, it, it both describes the process of slavery. Romans 6 and Romans 7 kind of talk about becoming a slave to, to those things that when we start to sin, we actually find that, that we become enslaved to what we... What, what we've been giving ourselves to, what we've been colluding with. And, and slavery, whether it's that internal slavery of addictions or, or habits or, or, or things that we can't break free from, 
You know, it, it famously in Paul, uh, Paul writes in Romans, Romans 7, you know, I, do the, I, I don't do the things I want to do. The things I do do, those things I do. Well, I want to do what's right, but I find evil is right there with me. And, 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 and Paul describes himself almost as a slave to, to sinful things, to, to evil. And um, when we look at the story of the human, the human race, when we, when we see extreme um, evil at work, it's often things that enslave and dominate and oppress other people, other people groups. And one of the great motifs of the Bible is people being set free from slavery. It's the message of Exodus. But it's also the message of our individual lives, that Jesus came to, to give his life as a ransom for many, to set us free from things that enslave us, that Jesus came to destroy the power of evil, which has an enslaving quality around it. And if collusion with evil can be both internal in our thought life or external in terms of... Uh, powers. There can also come for us a day of evil when just bad stuff happens. And again, in, in Paul writing in Ephesians 6, it says, um, when that day of evil comes, stand and pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers. But a day of evil that can come, and I don't know what that looks like. It might, might look like persecution. Perhaps for the church around the world, that there have been days of evil where instead of being able to peacefully coexist in communities, powers have arisen that want to exterminate the church and, and people have had to, to flee or to suffer if they're not going to deny their faith. Sometimes tragedy can happen in our lives as well and maybe it's there's just the blind forces of nature if in, in, through illness or, or an accident. But, but we can sometimes see behind these things a kind of, oh, a day of evil has happened to me. It happened to Job, didn't it, you know? That, that, that time in his life, twofold days of evil when his possessions and his family were destroyed and then when he became sick himself and um, suffered those sores all over his body. Days of evil. that The Bible sort of attributes to, to Satan in that, that sense. So deliver us from evil is a, is a kind of, it's a fundamental prayer. It's a recognition that there are powers too strong for us powers that we cannot break free from ourselves and it's an escalation from lead us not into temptation and maybe it's, it's, it is the right way around in the prayer because very often as we as we are subject to temptation and give in to temptation that's when that collusion with evil begin, becomes stronger and that we find ourselves under the powers of evil that are too strong for us so if we feel that there's a power of evil <laughs> that we need deliverance from, is that, is that bad news? <laughs> is that a depressing message to bring this morning? There is evil in the world, believe it. It's not just human nature, not just human sinfulness. There is a power of evil that's opposed, implacably opposed to the goodness of God, and that that power can have power over us too. Okay, so if that's true, then, first of all, a warning is, in a way, good news. We're warned not to collude with evil. You know, sometimes a warning feels like bad news, but, you know, back in the day, people believed that smoking was good for them. People used to be given cigarettes if they worked in hospitals, if they were in the armed forces. You know, this will help you. Um, actually, discovering that, that, that smoking was really bad for you was, was, felt like really bad news, but the good news means it means you could stop it. 
And, 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 and ultimately, that, that, that is the news that we need to hear. Um, now, the good news is that though there is evil, there is one greater than the power of evil in the world, and that is the power of Jesus Christ. For this purpose, John writes, Christ was revealed that he might destroy all the works of the evil one. And ultimately, that means a new heaven and a new earth. Ultimately, it means that where the systemic evil in creation is finally going to be resolved and we will start all over again. And it means that in our own lives, the works of the evil one can be destroyed and we can have new life. And actually, the Christian journey is moving out of slavery and into freedom. We are all enacting the Exodus story. We're being set free from things that are too strong for us. And so Romans 8 continues, doesn't it, from that bad news message that Paul has. He will rescue me. Thanks be to God, he says, for the, the, the Spirit of God has set me free from the law of sin and death. And um, in Ephesians, again, rather than Galatians 5, Paul writes, um, don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery, for the Spirit has set us free. The Spirit has set us free. And the power of the Spirit sets people free. Now, when Jesus walked the earth, the Spirit of God rested on him without limit. And wherever he went, people were set free. They were set free internally from their things that they were ashamed of. They were set free externally as Jesus set free people who were subject to power that was too strong for them. And we see in Jesus the ministry of deliverance. Deliverance from evil was very, very practical for Jesus. The, the very first miracle that Jesus does in the book of Mark is to set someone free from an evil power. And in, in the Bible, powers of evil are kind of identified not just as a kind of mysterious uniform force at work, but also located in spiritual entities, which the Bible calls unclean spirits or demons. And um, here's a scary thought. Could it be that um, where evil manifests itself, there's something that we might call demonic at work in our lives today? Now, Rachel was telling me that um, when she was away at Cell Survivor, Naturally, Supernatural Conference last week, Mike Pillow actually get a great talk about deliverance, and she, she said, it's going to be so much better than what you're going to deliver today, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a long go, of course. But uh, I just want to touch a little bit about, um, on that subject about deliverance from evil. Because it can feel like a kind of archaic idea that demons are real and exist. Uh, or else it can feel like a scary idea, something that we just don't want to approach, because the idea that I might be possessed is just something, A, that, that either it's archaic and wrong, it's a misunderstanding of mental health, whatever it is, or else it's something which could be um, a really scary idea that, I, that, I, that I, I just want to retreat from. I just want to frame deliverance from, from evil spirits in terms of spiritual hygiene. I think part of what we need to do as we walk this road of life is to learn good spiritual hygiene. And if you were to go back in time and suggest to someone in the medieval era that there were invisible entities that could enter your body and make you suffer, make you ill, they'd probably be horrified. That sounds really scary. Invisible stuff on my hands, invisible stuff in the air or on the water. You know, and, and for a long time, people didn't want to believe things like that. In, in the Victorian era, people didn't want to believe there could be waterborne diseases that could give you cholera. It was a scary idea. But actually, 
um, if you said to that medieval person, um, you know, there are demons and angels and there's a spiritual world out there, they wouldn't be freaked out by that because that was the world that they believed in and they had ways of dealing with it. They had the priest, they had the sacraments, they had the holy water, they had the, the prayers of blessing. But they didn't have tools to deal with bacteria and viruses because they didn't know that they existed, they didn't believe that they existed. And that would have been a really scary idea for them that they did exist. We've gone full circle. We're not freaked out by the, by the idea that there are viruses and bacteria. We, we may have struggled with COVID, but you know, on the whole, you know, we understand that, that actually we can deal with the invisible things that can hurt us if we practice good spiritual hygiene. Do wear your mask, do wash your hands. We remember those, those, those things. Weren't it? it was about protecting ourselves through good hygiene. But we have not always understood that we need to protect ourselves by good spiritual hygiene. If you have a cut in your body, you can get dirt in that, you can get infection in that, and so you cover it up. But if you have a wound in your spirit, then you don't always protect yourself from the things that can get on the back of that wound. If you've suffered abuse, if you've suffered a rejection, if you've suffered betrayal, how do you practice spiritual hygiene from that to stop a foreign body getting into that spiritual wound and hurting you? How do you practice the good spiritual hygiene of forgiveness and being forgiven, of not entertaining evil thoughts in your heart? Honestly, for us, deliverance from evil includes starting there with practicing good spiritual hygiene and that way of forgiveness. And the Lord's Prayer is full of that. I don't think it's a coincidence. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because in that chain, if we have not been doing the forgive us as we forgive and, lead us and, and being, allowing ourselves to be led to temptation, we are in a position where we have allowed the power of evil to become stronger in us than we can actually resist. And many, many people have experienced that reality in their lives. But the good news is that there's a greater authority than evil in the world, and that's the name of Jesus. And the Bible is full of, of accounts of Jesus setting people free from the power of evil. And I think it's half past ten, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Three minutes. <laughs> this is what happens if, if you have something in your life that is too strong for you. You do those steps of practicing spiritual hygiene, of forgiving and being forgiven and coming to God. If you find that you are stuck, you then go to somebody who you believe has some spiritual authority and get them to pray for you. That's how you find freedom. And, you know, when we pray for people, it's not on our spiritual authority, actually. It's about the authority that Jesus gives us. Jesus gave his followers power and authority to heal the sick and to drive out demons. They were ordinary people like us. They had their areas of brokenness. They were not perfect. But they were sent by the one who has all authority. And in the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. So it's, it's been my frequent practice where people have been struggling with things that are too powerful for them to speak to something in their life that it might be fear or anxiety. It might be an addictive pattern of thought or behavior. And just to simply say that, in the name of Jesus, go. And um, 
it's quite striking what happens there. Um, I mean, sometimes there's a very strong reaction. Sometimes people splutter or cough or retch. My understanding of that is the Spirit is like breath. The Holy Spirit is like breath. In fact, that's another word for the Spirit. And Jesus breathed on people who said, receive the Spirit. Unclean spirits are like bad breath. And when they go, they go like that. And um, that can happen. <laughs> and it's part of our, actually our practice as a church. And that's all I've got time to say about deliverance from evil. But I'm going to pray, if that's all right. Um, and just pray a really simple prayer. And uh, I invite you just to let the breath of God fill you today. The Holy Spirit comes to us like the clean, life-giving breath of God. And when God breathes on us, he fills us with his Spirit. And we want to pray, Lord God, that in this place and in this community, your breath would drive out those powers that are too strong for us. May, may the breath of your mouth come, Lord God, and deliver us from evil. In Jesus' name. Amen.